Welcome to Trinity Western's Chapel Podcast, a space to listen to and respond to God's invitation to worship and mission. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m., all members of the Trinity community are invited to join us for a moment of worship and a short word from our university chaplain and director of student ministries, Reverend Dr. James Ellis III. Throughout the semester, you'll also have opportunities to hear from special guests in our local community and abroad. As a vibrant part of campus life, our chapel gathering at Trinity Western creates opportunities for us to hear and be changed by God's story in Jesus through music, teaching, prayer, scripture reading, and storytelling. We're glad you're listening in today. We hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. If this is your first time at TWU, hello and welcome. For those who are returning, um, I want you to know how excited we are for this reunion that we have. Whether you are in Richmond, Winnipeg, Abbotsford, Mbara, Uganda, whether you're in Japur, India, maybe you're in Tianjin, China, Nairobi, Kenya, San Diego, Burnaby, the Laurentian Leadership Center, or if you're right here in Langley, thank you for tuning in. I am Reverend Ellis. I'm the university chaplain and director of student ministries here. And uh, as you, I'm sure, probably realize by now, uh, following uh, months of meticulous creative planning and all kinds of adjustments, chapel uh, has now begun. It's now underway. Uh, classes are here as well. Um, chapel is online now, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 11 to 11.30 a.m. instead of the regular kind of five days a week that we're used to. Um, and several more uh, spiritual formation initiatives are also available, uh, like a time on Tuesdays and Thursdays when the student body will virtually dive into spiritual practices and regular prayer. You'll hear more about a lot of that pretty soon. In observing health and safety guidelines and with an abundance of caution, this semester, and likely for the entire year, it'll look unlike any of us had imagined this time last year. But like anything else, any challenge, while taxing by definition, is also always an opportunity for growth. So I encourage you to focus, that we would be one another's keeper, and that you would do your part while trusting God to do the heavy lifting. But before we jump into our standard fare of chapel sermons, which begins Monday, September 14th, I want to give you some context today. Even for those who are good at sticking their head in the sand, majoring in escapism and denial, life's severe vicissitudes uh, of momentous occasions are also monstrous. And 2020, if you haven't been paying attention, has pummeled humanity like Mike Tyson-sized punches, triggering concussions of disappointment and destruction, disorder, and even death. 
What we've tried so hard to hide for so long has been exposed. The shallow niceties we uh, regard now return our gaze in the mirror with contempt, or so it seems. Tragedy is scattered about like rainbow sprinkles on ice cream as people determine for the first time or are reminded again that sin is real and it pays a deadly wage. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. With all due admiration to dear Mr. Dickens, we are more than a tale of two cities. For some, there's been the acceptance that life is far from a movie script. Some prepackaged product finite beings can conveniently edit to the satisfaction of their every yearning. Aired through cell phone video footage and illustrated plainly elsewhere, what has always been true has now found palpable expression. Indifference to evil is complicity with evil. And this is why books exist like Ibram X. Kendi's How to Be an Anti-Racist. If faith and works are inseparable, as scripture says that they are, then right has no choice but to robustly oppose wrong. You can't, from the privileged comfort of your lakeside cottage or your Range Rover's plush Burberry interior, tweet about how you are the convenient exception to a preponderance of evidence or that which is clear beyond a shadow of a doubt. There is no immunity. Really, there has never been immunity in and of ourselves. With a long road to travel still, thank the Lord that some people are starting to redress their ungodly apathy and collusion with supremacist ideations representing the individual and systemic institutional frameworks that we all are, are learning about now. Many of us are experiencing the, the detonation, you could say, of what is perhaps to date the largest race-based powder keg of our lifetime. But if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, we also know that this thing called COVID-19 is not our friend. It torments us all, unannounced, unwelcome, and undeterred. It's in light of all of this and, and so much more that I introduce you to a man, a man full of hopes and dreams, flaws and foibles, whose name is a heteronym. That just means it's a word that has two legitimate pronunciations with the same spelling, in each case wholly distinct, but both with a different sound and a different meaning. Words such as base and bass, close and close, tear and tear, dogged and dogged, or dove and dove. His name is short and pretty easy to remember. It's just three letters, J-O-B. For those familiar or rather less familiar with the Bible, it's, it's common to think that his name is Job. Be advised, however, 
aided by an uppercase J that actually the man's name is pronounced Job. And sandwiched between the book of Esther and the book of Psalms, we will be journeying this fall through the book of Job. Honestly, it's, it's likely to both frustrate you and reassure you this book is how it captures the peculiarity of human quandary. The book of Job doesn't uh, highlight linear sensibilities how we would like because of its narrative and poetic notes. But nevertheless, it all testifies to this fact. Despite life's voluminous sorrows, God is good. Furthermore, it illustrates how knowing God is to accept the mysterium tremendum of his lordship. For the created to fully understand, agree with, or be able to control the creator would put them on par with him. And that won't ever work because God is God and we are not God. Historically, Job is viewed as a, a case study of theodicy, speaking of wrath or divine suffering. For example, the question, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people, is about theodicy. There just isn't as much rhyme or reason to life as we would like. And the truth is that inherently sinful though we are, a life devoted to God never fully guarantees universal protection from catastrophe. If you are convinced otherwise, which is your uh, prerogative, it's your right, I, I invite you to corroborate that point with scripture. You serve God because God is worthy to be served, period not to receive any kind of holy hula hoop safeguards that protect you from uh, hardship. A missionary and Bible teacher twice widowed who left behind a third husband named Lars in 2015 at age 88, a casualty of dementia. That's what she passed away from. Her name was Elizabeth Elliot. And she said this, there is... In fact, no redemptive work done anywhere without suffering. I need you to know that inconvenience and suffering are not the same. Now, if that feels harsh, well, I, I beg your pardon. And, and for the record, no, I am not the legislative body that gives final valuation to this. But in knowing how ingrained and how pervasive our modern sensitivities are, we got to be real. Banging your foot on the corner of your bed during a disoriented nighttime trip to the bathroom is not suffering. The Wi-Fi going down is not Suffering, a romantic interest ghosting you after three months of steady, lovey-dovey, potentially meritable communication is not suffering. Discovering at the drive-thru that your order of cherished McDonald's fries are cold instead of fresh from the fryer is not suffering. Having classes predominantly online, 
living in dorms with limited residency and outright refraining from or severely limited uh, gatherings, sung worship as an example of something that we aren't able to do as readily as we did before. These are not examples of suffering. Annoyances that you are strongly opinionated about, I'll give you that, but suffering, they are not. As you'll begin to see next week, Job suffers. He loses practically everything short of his life, and still, in the end, he refuses to curse God. Reading 21 Things You May Not Know About the Indian Act by Bob Joseph offers a glimpse into how indigenous peoples in Canada were methodically massacred, abused, stripped of their culture, and banished from their native land. And this is the kicker, in the name of Jesus. If you want a pictorial demonstration, you could browse James Allen's book, Without Sanctuary, Lynching Photography in America because it ponders uh, photos of African-Americans being lynched through the mid-1900s, photos that were often turned into postcards that attendees excitedly sent to their loved ones. Instances of suffering are inexhaustible. It could be cancer, degenerative conditions like Parkinson's, gun violence, domestic violence, sexual violence. Did you catch the theme here? Violence, that's suffering. Apartheid, it could be abject poverty, malnutrition, heart disease. No, no matter the details of how it may manifest, you cannot avoid every iteration of suffering even if you try exceptionally hard. That's just not how life works. And Job's predicament teaches us this. And while we're on it, death, no matter the circumstances, it is coming at a predetermined time that only God knows. TikTok all you want to, gangman style from dust till dawn if you must, to do, do what is right and honorable as you should, and still death will have no trouble finding where you live. Known affectionately as the Black Mamba for his supreme talent and determination, even those unacquainted with professional basketball found the death of 41-year-old retired NBA champion Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter, along with seven others, in a helicopter crash January 26 of 2020, jarring. With movies like Marshall and 42 under his belt, highlighting civil rights attorney Thurgood Marshall on the one hand and Jackie Robinson respectively on the other hand, Chadwick Boseman's celebrity uh, actually came from his lead role as T'Challa in the 2018 blockbuster film, Black Panther. It is a film that would go on to gross a staggering $1.3 billion. Diagnosed with stage three colon cancer in 2016, he recently took his last breath, August 28th, at age 43. 
The obvious, though frequently rejected certainty is that this land we populate and these bodies we occupy above all else are dangerous, disobedient, and erratic. Impropriety stalks us uh, with catastrophe lurking only seconds away, eager to pounce always. No one escapes this thing called life unscathed. And contrary to the nice, neat, prim, and proper fairy tales that we mistreat as nonfiction, even the wicked, yes, the wicked, those openly flaunting, low-down, dirty living, they, they prosper sometimes, right here, right here where the wild things are. These, of course, are just the raw data points, and yet we know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Before my time concludes, I, I humbly offer to you this disclaimer about uh, what you'll hear in chapel uh, this semester, this year. Unfortunately, in some Christian spaces today, the Word of God isn't being proclaimed so much as TED Talks or motivational speeches are shared in sacred worship spaces. Now, both of those things are quite fine on their own merit for what they intend to do. It's just that they make really horrible sermons because they're not sermons. Scholar William B. McLean put it much better than I can, so I want you to listen just for a moment to his words. He writes, Christian preaching calls for a decision for or against Jesus Christ. This fact distinguishes this form of communication from speaking at a PTA meeting or giving a lecture in a lecture hall. Preaching involves bringing the whole suit of the gospel and the counsel of God to bear on human needs. He goes on to say, preaching is the guilty one telling the guilty ones about the just cause and the judgment of God upon their lives and society. It's critical for you to know that from this pulpit, virtual though it may be uh, through this medium at the moment, through the songs that we sing and the sermons that are preached by myself and others and the testimonies that are shared, none of this is going to be about making you feel good. And that applies as equally to students as adults who might tune in. This, this time is set aside to worship God in spirit and in truth, and for the people of God to be encouraged and challenged and equipped for a lifetime of holiness. And of course, the hope is that along the way, someone, some man, some woman who has rejected God, who has up until this point decided to try being the master of their own universe, that, that they will experience the scales falling away from their eyes and, and they will see that, that they have a decision to make to surrender to Christ and that they will choose to surrender their life to Jesus Christ, that they will then relocate from being once lost to now found. That's our, that's our hope and our aim. 
It's been a privilege to be with you. I look forward to seeing you next time when we'll jump into Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. Until then, may the Lord our God be your anchor in joy and in pain with you always until the very end of the age. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to worship with you at our next broadcast online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with Chapel and Student Ministries by following us on Instagram at TWUChapel and at TWUStudentMin. Much love.